What is going on, everybody? It is time for another episode of Logan's Lowdown. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Lewis. I hope everybody is doing fantastic on this fine Monday on a President's Day. And I've got a great episode for you this week. So let's go ahead and just get on into it. There's uh, not much... uh, to waste time on so let's just let's just stop wasting it and let's get into it Uh, a couple things before we really get going into the topics follow the show on instagram at logan's lowdown follow the letterboxd account that i rate and review movies on at logan lewis 96 you can follow the serialized account that is basically letterboxd but for tv and that's also at logan lewis 96 You can follow me personally if you'd like on Twitter at Logan Lowdown and the show again on TikTok at Logan's Lowdown. If you like what you hear today, send this show to a movie and TV lovey person just like yourself. Let's build up a film community of people that love and enjoy TV and movies such as you and I do. If you're new here to Logan's Lowdown, let me tell you how the podcast works. Most of the content will be the bi-weekly entertainment update that drops every Monday. Those shows follow this format. We do this intro, and then we do a couple of subtopics of news or conversation, followed by a few main topics, usually a review, trailer breakdown, ranked list of some kind. So, let's get right on into it. I'm not wasting any time. So, let's fire off on all cylinders. We're going to start off today with a pretty beefy article that Entertainment Weekly put out Uh, to interview Kevin Feige, actually. So this was published on Valentine's Day um, by Devin Coggin, and uh, it says, Kevin Feige opens up about Phase 5, Kang, and the future of the MCU. And again, this is a little bit of a beefy article. So if you're interested, uh, sit back, relax, and and check it out. Otherwise, uh, you can skip to the next segment in the description of this episode. So... Bear with me as I might trip up on myself a little bit, but uh, this is all a lot of good stuff if you're a Marvel fan. So, welcome to Phase 5. Avengers Endgame proved to be anything but the end for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and since then, the biggest superhero franchise in history has only continued to expand. After closing out the Infinity Saga in 2019 and killing off a few of its marquee players, Marvel turned its attention to the multiverse, kicking off Phase 4 with a slew of films and Disney Plus TV shows including WandaVision, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now Marvel is ready to begin its next chapter, and Entertainment Weekly has your exclusive preview. When Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania hits theaters this Friday, it'll mark the beginning of Phase 5, as well as the introduction of a new villain, Jonathan Major's Kang the Conqueror. As part of our Quantumania cover story, EW sat down with Marvel's mastermind Kevin Feige for an exclusive in-depth interview, during which the notoriously cryptic studio president spilled details about Phase 4, 5, and beyond, and yes, he was wearing a Quantumania baseball cap. Here, Feige, who's 49, teases Marvel's future plans from the villainous Kang to the long-awaited introduction of the Fantastic Four. So EW asks, let's start with Ant-Man. Why was Quantumania the right film to kick off Phase 5 and introduce Kang the Conqueror? And Kevin says, We wanted to kick off Phase 5 with a team of heroes that you already know. 
We knew that if we were going to do another Ant-Man film, it was always the idea to spend a majority of it in the quantum realm, this place you've heard about in various movies and seen glimpses of. We wanted to actually explore it. We were making the earlier films. We saw the visuals of the quantum realms like, see that back there? That's a city. See that over there? That's a whole civilization. We were hoping that one day we could explore more of it. For years, we've always had the inkling that Kang would be an amazing follow-up to Thanos. He's got that equal stature in the comics, but he's a completely different villain, mainly because he's multiple villains. He's so unique from Thanos, which we really liked. In the early days of Quantumania, Jonathan started to pop in a big way. He's the highest testing villain we've ever had in any of our friends' and family's screenings. That's really saying something with a movie like this. Even early on without the effects, Jonathan is in his own effect. He was working from the start. It's always one of the fun rolls of the dice that we do at Marvel, which is to say, hey, we're going to make multiple movies around this character, and we're going to start before the audience has even a chance to meet him. We're really go all in on these movies and its casting. It was a really big relief when the season ender of Loki season one happened. People really seem to be on board for Kang. People are chanting Kang when Jonathan goes on talk shows and they haven't even seen him in the movie yet. Entertainment Weekly asks, what was it about Jonathan Majors that made him right, the right fit for this? Like you said, he's playing multiple versions of this villain. Kevin says, I mean, the last black man in San Francisco was a huge reason we cast him. Peyton Reed was a proponent of Jonathan's from the very start. We knew we were casting him for at least Loki season one and Quantumania at the same time. Working with both Loki team and Peyton and the Quantumanian team, we thought Jonathan would be incredible for their different incarnations of these characters. And spoiler alert, he was. EW asks, I know that you're calling Phase 4, 5, and 6 the multiverse saga, all leading up to 2025's Avengers The Kang Dynasty and 2026's Avengers Secret Wars. How are you thinking about Phase 5 specifically? Is there a through line or general theme? Kevin answers, It's really a classification system for the audience that's following along. It's to keep track of how the pieces fit into place. I didn't really talk a lot about the overarching theme or direction of Phase 4 until afterward, in part in large part because we are always adapting and weaving as creative demands and new ideas come up. But I would say that in a, gener in a very generalized terms, as you see in Quantumania, it's about setting up the big overarching thread that will go through the next phases. Not every film in, a, in the Infinity Saga focused on the Infinity Th Stones or Thanos, and it'll be the same across 5 and 6, but we're gearing up. People will get a taste of this in a big way in Quantumania as we lead to Secret Wars, which I'm extremely excited for. You know, I'm coming up at 23 years at Marvel. That's a long time. It's not quite half my life, but it's only almost half my life. Many of us have been together for a decade or more. We And we only do it because we are so excited and in love with the potential of what we can do ahead. The storylines that we weave together through 5 and 6 into secret wars and into opportunities that the multiverse brings storytelling and its whole new aspect to the MCU. EW asks, Phase 4 was a transitional era. Several of your original cast members after Endgame left, and you introduced a whole new group of heroes. You started to embrace TV, launching multiple shows on Disney+. What were some of the learnings or takeaways from some of these projects? Kevin answers, I hope we learned something on every project. I was very pleased with everything that we did. Kamala Khan, for instance, is a great new character in the Pantheon. I'm very proud of the Miss Marvel show. I also know, and this is a spoiler, she essentially steals the Marvels, which is coming out 
in, in this says July, but as of today, the day I'm recording this, it was announced that the film is being released in November. It makes me excited that people will, I hope, see that the movie see that movie and then go back and revisit these shows on Disney+. Plus. The fun thing about streaming is that they are there forever and people can keep exploring them. Moon Knight, same thing. I think there's a future for that character as we move forward as well. I think one of the powerful aspects of being at Marvel Studios is having these films and shows hit the zeitgeist. It's harder to hit the zeitgeist when there's so much more product out there and so much content, as they say, which is a word that I hate. But we want Marvel Studios and the MCU projects to really stand out and stand above. So people will see as we get further into phases five and six, the pace at which we're putting out Disney Plus shows will change so they get a little more chance to shine, which is cool to hear that that they're saying that they're going to scale back a little bit. Entertainment says, so when you say the pace will change, do you mean spacing them out more or putting out fewer shows a year? Kevin says both, I think. EW says, you talked about how you've been at Marvel for 23 years, and it's been 15 years since Iron Man. Quantumania is movie 31. That's weird, right? Kevin says, that is weird. But EW says, but I'm curious. As you continue to grow, does it ever start to get unwieldy? How do you balance telling stories for the hardcore nerds who have been who have seen the past 30 movies while also trying to find new audiences? And Kevin answers in a long-winded, we've tried to make that our mythology since the start. If there's a Marvel Studios method, like there was a Marvel method in publishing, it's trying to do both. I've talked about this for years. If you want to dip in and out and just go to the movies on a Friday night or watch streaming services, you can do that. But if you want to follow along, there's certainly much more to be discovered. But we don't ever want it to seem exclusive or that you need to have done your homework before watching something. Now, I've also realized that a lot of people like to do the homework. A lot of people find the fun in the homework and the continuity and the connectivity. But it is a balance that we're trying to do both. She-Hulk, for example, was an experiment. Let's just do a legal comedy. What if, what if Ally McBeal was a superhero? How do we do a legal sitcom with an incredibly expensive CG character in the middle of every episode? And I couldn't be happier with the tone that Jessica Gao has set for that. It's a very different tone that many other projects will not have. And it was totally intentional. I think when we were doing about eight projects a year, and again, I think that this is going to shift a little bit, they all have to be different. They all have to stand apart and stand alone and be different from one another. It's like when people go to the comic shops. There's Spider-Man and the Avengers and the big title ones. And then sometimes you pick up a one-off or an experiment from an artist or a writer that you're a fan of. That's why the comics have been around for 80 plus years, and I want Marvel Studios to be around for that long, if not longer. So if we continue to do the different types of things, does it everything have to appeal for everyone? It would be nice. But I think that's impossible. If you try to do that, you're going to find yourself in a small funnel and pipeline that things will get similar or boring very, very quickly. EW asks, you talked about embracing television and how that was new territory for you. What were the biggest adjustments that came out of that? Kevin says, I guess the learnings that have been that you are rewarded creatively and by the audience by going to unexpected places. We always knew that to a certain extent, but it's fun to see. We want to do shows that can only be shows. I want to continue to make them even more episodic, which may seem counterintuitive, but I do think that there is something fun about leaning back and watching an episode that can be relatively self-contained. Lost was such an incredibly influential show because it was a serialized story which was not seen in television much. Now it's been how long? 20 years? 
Since then, almost everything has been like that. So now, I think you're starting to see that not just with our shows, but many other shows, you're starting to see the fun of a self-contained episodic story week to week. We're going to experiment with that in some of our upcoming things. I'm skipping a couple questions here because some of this stuff is a little odd. So here they transition to talk about mutants. EW says, I'm curious. One of the big introductions in Phase 4 was mutants. Namor and Kamala Khan are both explicitly referred to as mutants. What can you tell us about how mutants and the X-Men may or may not play into the future? And Kevin says, you know, I think we've said the word once. Kamala talks about a genetic mutation and Namor refers to himself as a mutant amongst his own people. And mutant is a real generic term, not just a comic book term. But the fun part of that is that I've been at this company for half my life and we're just now tapping into arguably one of the biggest aspects of the publishing history. It's pretty remarkable and a testament to the house of ideas and what Marvel Publishing has done in those 80 years. The question is how to do it and when to do it. And that's something we've been working on for years. Now we know, but we're not going to talk about it. (laughs) Typical. EW says, that's fair, but I'm curious to see what it's like to you to be thinking about mutants again, especially because you started your career producing the X-Men movies. Kevin says, it's amazing. And we've got Hugh Jackman coming back for our first Deadpool film within the MCU. That's our first R-rated film. So that's confirmation there. Big stuff. To have Hugh come back is incredible. For me personally, this is where I started. I remember sitting behind the camera, well behind the camera, at his audition for the first film. It was his first on-set audition, and he flew up to Toronto to read. For him, and for me, I think for all of the fans of Marvel, it's unbelievable what happened in those 23 years, and it's very full circle having him come back with this new Deadpool film. EW says, you've just, you've got all... You've also got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming up, and James Gunn just took that big job at DC Studios. He tweeted that he spoke to you when he got the job. What was that conversation like? Kevin says, It's not dissimilar to when he t- we talked about him doing the Suicide Squad. I said, That's awesome, and I can't wait to see it. I've never been shy about loving those characters. I had Superman posters all over my wall when I was a child in my bedroom. I went to work for the Donners, Richard Donner and Lauren Donner, because of Superman. The notion of those characters being in such good hands with James is exciting, and it's very cool after he finishes Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, of course. EW says, So I'd like to run through some of the other Phase 5 projects that you have in the works. Let's start with the Marvels. What is the movie about? What can you tell us about it? Kevin says, That's what the entire movie is about. These are fun... There are fun cosmic elements to it. Marvel comic fans will recognize elements of the Kree Skull War, and it's picking up directly after the end of Captain Marvel 1, not in timeline, but in story. We also do that in our upcoming Disney Plus series, Secret Invasion, and those are two very different follow-ups to that movie. Tonally, they couldn't be more different, but there's more... There's something immensely powerful about seeing Monica and Kamala and Carol together in a frame. To me, it's only akin to the first Avengers movies and seeing the six of them together in a frame. It's chill-inducing. They're so great together, and they all have different histories with one another. The great thing about Kamala in her show, and now this movie, that she's not unlike Tom Holland's Peter Parker in Civil War. She just can't believe she's with these other heroes, and she can't believe she finds herself in these places. And it's going to be fun. EW says, you've got 2024 
Captain America New World Order with Anthony Mackie and Harrison Ford joining as Thunderbolt Ross. What can you tell us about his take on that character? Kevin says, we start filming relatively soon. I'm sure anyone you've talked to about Harrison Ford says this, but it's unbelievable that we get to meet and talk with him and that he's embracing this role. He's tireless about the amount of work that he does. That's certainly a big part for Thaddeus Ross, apparently. He's the president of the United States in the film, and with Harrison, you think about Air Force One, and you think about his confrontations with clear and present danger. There's also a dynamic between President Ross and Sam Wilson. They have a history together, but in this film, we'll be seeing the dynamic between Captain America and the president of the United States that is in a way that is just incredible. This has been a dream for years. Ever since John Favreau cast Harrison in Cowboys and Aliens, I was always very jealous of that, so to finally have him in the MCU is just incredible. I can cross that off the wish list. Thunderbolts is also in the works for 2024 with a bunch of familiar faces. Kevin says, that's another one. We've got another, we've got a lot of things that start shooting relatively soon. What's fun about that, I sort of said this at D23, is that they're barely heroes. None of them would consider themselves heroes. When you're leader is Bucky Barnes, that's sort of all you need to know. That's the trickle-down. But again, it goes to the amazing work that the casting director has done across the MCU. You've got David Harbour and Florence Pugh and these people that are at the top of their gang and popping in everything they're, they've been doing. They've already been here and established in the MCU, and now we've got to build the movie around them. You've also got the Blade movie, asks EW, with Mahershala Ali for next year. How's that going? Kevin says, it's going well. Our director is down in Atlanta right now. Cameras roll in in the next 10 weeks or so. EW asks, you mentioned Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Spider-Man No Way Home was such a huge hit, and I know Marvel Studios has the deal with Sony regarding that character. Do you have any updates on when we might be seeing Peter Parker again? Kevin answers, all I will say is that we have the story. We have big ideas for that, and our writers are putting pen to paper now. EW says, okay, one more. You brought Charlie Cox back as Daredevil, and now he's getting his own show on Disney+. Plus. What can you tell us about the show that fits in the MCU? It's Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, Kevin says, and they're amazing actors and storytellers in their own right. That's sort of what I was talking about with that fun, episodic television. That's what we're really experimenting with that Daredevil in particular. Here we go with the last question. You've got a lot of things in the works. We could be here all day. Are there any other projects that we didn't talk about specifically that you're particularly excited for? And Kevin answers, well, we talked a little bit about Secret Wars. We talked about Kang Dynasty in relation to Quantumania. The only other one, personally, for me, in my 23-year history here is the Fantastic Four. We sort of talk about the mutants and that whole aspect of the Marvel world, but the Fantastic Four is the foundation for everything that came after in the comics. That's, there's certainly been versions of it on screen, but never inhabiting the storytelling of the MCU. And that's something that we're really excited to do for us. People will start going to hear about that much more soon. We plan on being, we plan on that being a big pillar of the MCU going forward, just the way that they've been in the comics for 50 or 60 years. And that was all kinds of Marvel updates from Kevin Feige, again from Entertainment Weekly. So thank you for putting up with me and listening to me talk about that whole side of everything so the next story we have here we're taking a break from marvel because we're going to jump back into it in a second but it's an article from the hollywood reporter that talks about the fact that how to train your dragon live action movie is in the works from dean dubois 
All right. The dragons and Vikings are taking to the skies once again, this time in live action. Taking a massive swing, Universal Pictures has put in motion a How to Drain Your Dragon live action movie. With the filmmaker behind the original animated trilogy back in the saddle as writer, director, and producer. The feature project has already been steps into the developmental process. University has... Univer- I see... I'm dying. Universal has dated the feature for March 14th, 2025. And sources also say the casting process is already underway. This new dragon will adapt the trilogy of the movies that were made by the DreamWorks animation and will release the 20 and released in the 2020s. I'm dying here, man. The 2010s to great acclaim. The first movie released in 2010 earned Academy Award nominations for Best Animated Film and Score. The second and third notched Best Animated Film Oscar nominations as well. The trilogy was also a hit with audience grossing more than $1.6 billion at the box office. The franchise is one of the crown jewels of the DreamWorks animation and spawned television series that end on Cartoon Network, Netflix, and Hulu. Here we go. So that's it. That is it. This is huge. It's hard to understand the size of the risk Universal is taking. On one level, the studio is journeying down a path already trot by Disney, who has made live-action adaptations of its animated classics, such as Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Cruella, Lady and the Tramp, Pinocchio, The Jungle Book, and more. And they've several of them have hit $1 billion. So... It's unclear whether in success Universal will seek to translate other DreamWorks animation movies into live action. This is, however, the first time a live action remake is being overseen by the same creator as the animated source material. The studio worked hard on trying to find the right and palatable budget for the several months before finally giving it the go-ahead for the project. So, that is the news. A lot of people probably are excited about that. I don't care. I have uh, never really truly enjoyed those movies. I've thought that they're decent, but I've, I've never really seen what the hoopla is all about. But if you like those movies, you're getting live action. So, whoop-de-doo. Before we go into finish uh, the episode with two reviews, uh, and those reviews being You Season 4 Part 1 and Ant-Man Quantumania, uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit of my Marvel ranking. Now, I've talked about this long ago when I had co-hosts on previous iterations on this podcast, but I think it's important to let people know how I view the MCU. So I view the MCU in four tiers. Uh, I I rank them in four different tiers of basically A, B, C, or D. Um, uh, And those four tiers are the best being Infinity Stones, meaning the highest in the highest honor that they could be. We got Vibranium, which is Really damn good, but not perfect. Uh, we've got gold titanium alloy, which is seen as eh, it's good, but it's it, it could use some stuff. It's it's not good, not bad. It's it's just meh. And then we've got Mark One, which is just kind of the bottom of the barrel. The shows that I don't think are very good, the movies that I don't think are very good, and uh, yeah, that's basically the bottom tier. So. Uh, yeah, here we are with this. Sorry, I got a text message that makes no sense. Shout out to mom. Uh, here we go. Thanks, mom. Thanks for delaying that. 
Gotta acknowledge your mother when she texts you, fam. Text your mom back. Um, so, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through those tiers and tell you kind of what I think is in what tier. Uh, sure, a lot of our opinions will be the same, but then we might disagree on some. So please, if you disagree or if you agree, let me know. We can talk about it. So, in the bottom tier of movies... I, uh, and that's the Mark 1 tier, I have The Incredible Hulk, She-Hulk Season 1, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Captain Marvel, Thor, and Thor the Dark World. Uh, so, uh, some of those are, uh, are, are better than others. Um, but most of those movies, I, I don't give quite much of a damn about at all. Um, you know, I, before I started recording, I, I just re went over this list and just tried to make sure that everything was in its proper tier. Uh, so, uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with those. I'm sticking with it. So the next tier up, which is basically C level or high D level movies, and shows I've got Moon Knight Season 1, Ant-Man, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, uh, Loki Season 1, which I know I'm in the minority about. I need to go back and rewatch that so that I can get hyped for Season 2. Black Widow, Eternals, Hawkeye Season 1, and Thor Love and Thunder. Um, And again, all those movies are good, but they're just not great, and some of them could even tiptoe into Mark 1 territory, but that's the gold titanium alloy. The next step up, we've got Vibranium, and of course, by the way, I'm leaving out my Quantumania ranking until the end of this segment so that we can uh, uh, get the hype rolling for the review. The Vibranium section, we've got Captain America, the Verse Avenger, Spider-Man Far From Home, which honestly, now that I'm looking at that, Far From Home is a very uh, forgettable movie, so I'm going to throw that in the gold, uh, the alloy, the gold titanium alloy tier, actually. Where Yeah, where that's a live adjustment. Uh, Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, The Avengers, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I think those are all great movies, but not perfect. And of course, this next... Uh, this this next phase here, I'm going to uh, talk about my favorites. Those are perfect. Uh, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Iron Man, Captain America the Winter Soldier, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers Age of Ultron, which I know I'm in the minority of, but I love Age of Ultron, WandaVision Season 1, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Spider-Man No Way Home, and Werewolf by Night. So that is my MCU ranking as of now, and to let you know where Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania falls, it falls in the gold titanium alloy tier, the movies that aren't horrible, but also aren't very good either right there in the middle. Uh, But to even tease you more before talking about my thoughts of the movie, which I'm going to be joined by uh, previous binge boy Tanner, uh, we're going to talk about You Season 4, Part 1. So You Season 4, Part 1 takes place in London. Of course, 
uh, let me let me get you some information about you uh, season four. Of course, nothing is coming uh, coming through for me. So Rotten Tomatoes currently has season four of you sitting at a 91% critics, 64% audiences. I think that's a little dramatic. Uh, the Hunter becomes prey in Yu's London set fourth season, which shows somewhere as this premise begins to outlive its believability. But Penn Bagley's... Uh, oh, that's the critic review. What the? That's not the synopsis. My bad. Whoops. That's, a, that's, a, just, that's just a full-blown review there. Um, either way, that, that's, that's the sitch right there that, uh, you season four, uh, takes place. Joe goes to London. He's escaping the life that he had in America when he had to kill his ex-wife love and escape, leave his son behind and leave his life behind. He moves to London, changes his name and, uh, has to completely, uh, just reinvent himself, essentially. Uh, so with that said, of course, Penn Bagley returns as Joe slash Jonathan Moore is the persona that he's going uh, as going forward. Uh, and I quite enjoyed this. Uh, of course, this is only the first chunk of the season. This is only the first half uh the, the first half of the season uh, being the first five episodes. The second five episodes release on March 9th. Uh, so we've got a few weeks before that happens. But I, I I loved it, man. I thought it was fantastic. 95 out of 100 for me. I really enjoyed it. So I, I more agree with the critics on this one. I really enjoy his performance. I enjoy the fact that the plot is a little different and they do something a little new. Um... Of course, we get a bunch of new characters with him moving across the pond. And of course, uh, all of those characters are pretty interesting as well. I mean, I, I do enjoy a lot of them. So, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that if you enjoy you, you're going to enjoy uh, where, uh, where the show is going. Uh, of course, the, the, the storyline being that in the previous seasons, Joe is the killer. Uh, however, it is somebody that is following him this time around, which is a nice change of pace. And I like it a lot. And if you like you, you're going to like it. If you don't like you, maybe give this one a shot. I mean, give this season a try. Of course, things from his past get referenced. So if you didn't like previous seasons and you tuned out, then I would say that you're probably going to end up uh, not uh, understanding some things. However, uh, I think that, I, I, I don't know, I, I think that you're going to, uh, what is Letterboxd doing, man? I think that you're going to enjoy uh, this season uh, a lot. So give it a shot. Uh, I, I flew through the episodes. Once I watched the first episode, I was like, well, I have to continue. And I watched it in like two days. Um, so... That should tell you everything you need to know about the fact that I love this season. So, now, let's get into our final topic, and we're going to jump to a recording I did with Tanner right after we saw Ant-Man, so it was very fresh in the mind. So, I will go ahead and have you uh, look at that there. And for our 
final topic of the episode, we are going to be talking about Strange World 2, Avatar 3, Star Wars Episode 11. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I mean Ant-Man Strange and the Wasp, World. Quantum Media. <laughs> that other voice you hear is former binge boy Tanner Smith. What up? So It's, it's been a while, fellas. It has been. Um, we're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah. Uh, let me give some information, some background on the movie. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is directed by Peyton Reed. He directed the other two Ant-Man movies. The movie came out today, the day we're recording it, and that's the February 16th. Plotline is superhero duo Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyke. Dyne? I'm pretty sure it's Hope Van Dyke, yeah. but I could be wrong. Um Together with Hope's parents, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, maybe it is Van Dyne, I don't know, find themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures and embarking on an adventure that will push them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. This movie stars Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, Hope, sorry, Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp, Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror, Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang, Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne, maybe it is Van Dyne, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, Bill Murray as Lloyd, Lord Kyler, and uh, many, many, many more. Um, right off of the bat, this is this is a different movie. It's very different. It's. Uh, it, it's a movie. It's it's a movie. There's a lot of people shitting on this movie. Which let me. I don't like that because I think it's very good. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, listen, listen to a famous <sighs> movie TikToker George say. Maybe it's a stretch. Maybe it's not. But I truly believe this is one of the, if not the absolute worst MCU films I've ever seen. At least it's the first MCU film. I left the theater annoyed at the fact I wasted my time watching this. I don't, so, I, I don't I don't think I wasted my time watching that. No, not at all. This guy, uh, also famous TikToker, Tyler Whitmore, says Ant-Man, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is simply a means to end as to unlock Kang, and everything else is so irrelevant that it is almost embarrassing to spend two hours with. Dialogue is awful, jokes are corny, and MODOK is dreadful. Damn. That's rough. I don't. I, they're just running out of things to complain about, so they complain about damn near everything. I mean, yep. did I mean like was your seat comfortable? I mean, yeah. was the popcorn good? Did it taste like butter or what? Or was it burnt? So a lot. So the average rating here out of twenty three thousand people that have rated Ant Man and the Wasp on this Letterboxed app. It says that the average score is two point eight six out of five, and I think I'd go three stars. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, maybe even two and a half. I don't think it was bad by any means. I can see why some people hated it, but I just don't understand what they want. Like, what do they expect? The these MCU haters, and I'm not an MCU apologist i don't sit here and defend it at all times because i do know that there are some bad things about this universe uh -huh. but but the movie was hilarious uh the Agreed. special effects were great uh 
I thought Kang was a pretty threatening villain. I thought he was pretty good. Um, I love they... Paul Rudd. Sorry, the way oh, <laughs> the way they like every just from the beginning to the end, they built him up perfectly. As soon as he came in there, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's fucking Kang the Conqueror right there." Oh, am I allowed to cuss? Yes, yes. I told, I forgot. Well, damn right. But that was fucking <laughs> Kang the Conqueror. He was badass. And Modok, I don't. I, he was good. He. But, People that are a fan of him in the comic books are going to be yeah. a little disappointed because he's a little more serious in the comics. And here he's kind of the butt of every joke. He looks like his face looks like a big ass anyways. He just, he just looks like Humpty Dumpty in a flying <laughs> yeah. chair. You know, I almost bought him. I almost bought a freaking Mo, Modoc Funko Pop yesterday. And good Lord. I should have because now should have done it. Yeah, I got one spot that needs filled. I don't think this movie is bad, man. I just think that. I mean, it did feel like a sequel to... It did feel like Avatar. It felt like Strange World. It felt like Star Wars. It just felt like a lot. It, it's almost it like weird. they picked different elements of all of those movies and put them in one and said, here's Ant-Man. Um, a lot of people are complaining because they're like, how did Ant-Man... Of course, uh, spoilers for Ant-Man. Mild spoilers, but... Good Lord... A yawn. We, we're recording this right after we saw the movie. We we just saw the movie about thirty minutes ago. So, yep, it's late. But, um, I, I just I, I don't get the overwhelming hate. It's not going to be like I I said this to you before we got there. It's not going to be freaking Django Unchained. It's going to be fuck. It's going to be Ant Man. Right. It's going to be fighting, and like we talked about this too in the theater. Like you remember the beginning of the MCU. Like we were just watching those movies like, Oh cool. You know, it's a cool superhero mm -hmm. movie. That was good. But like, until we started figuring out that there was like actual point to each movie and they're building up to something. That's when we were like, Oh wow, this is amazing because it was new. So like, I mean, and they're not changing their formula. I don't, at least it doesn't look like that to me. No, uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of people also that are saying that it's good, good Lord. <laughs> I wasn't tired until we started recording. Um, that's how it works. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm going to compare it and put it amongst the other MCU movies, like obviously we know that stuff like civil war Endgame, Iron Man, winter soldier, Spider-Man homecoming, those are all like top tier MCU movies. Oh, yeah. And then you've got like the second tier, which is like the original captain America, uh, black Panther, Thor, Ragnarok, the Avengers, like stuff like that. That's good, but it's not fantastic. Um, and then you have the third tier, which is stuff like the first Ant-Man, uh, Iron Man three, black widow, uh, Thor, love and thunder, um, I put this in that category. I don't think it was a fantastic movie, but I, I enjoyed myself and I didn't think it was a waste of time by any means. Excuse me. Look at you yawning too. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. Is is there anything that you, if you could pick it apart for anything, what would you, what would you pick apart? They what did sweet. you not like about There the was movie? one part, especially like, when, you know, when the suit, uh, Cassie's suit showed up. Or like she had, and I was like, "Wow, that's." I, I turned over to you guys. I was like, "That's convenient." Yeah, there. And it the seems ant, like, the yeah, ant I thought that was kind of. I was like, "Well, that, 
well, thank God, because if they didn't, you know, break the whole thing, I mean, I thought I understood what was happening, but they like evolved and fucking thank God for them or else Ant-Man would be dead. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, conveniences, I'll say. It was. A lot of of things that came through at the right moment. Correct. But, you know, that's superhero movies. There's always like, oh my God, they're here. That was pretty badass though when uh, Hank walked up with all them ants. That's like, damn right. I started all this shit. Yeah. uh, I I, I just... It's been 30 minutes since we've seen it and I'm having trouble putting it into words, but like, I liked the movie. I did too. Um, I'd give it like a... I'd probably go like a 2.8 out of 5 or something like that if I had to rank it. Like, I don't think it was fantastic. I didn't think it was shit. I think it was right there in the middle. Like... At this point, there's so many MCU movies that it's kind of getting hard to talk about them. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't know what to say about it. Um, I liked Kang a lot. I thought he was a good villain. He's badass. Uh, I'm excited to see where they go with him, for sure. Because, of course, everyone knows uh, that the Avengers movie in a few years is called Kang Dynasty. So there's no way that we've seen the last of Kang. What's the next? It's the next one's Secret Wars, isn't it? I think that's first and then Kang Dynasty, or I could be wrong. It might be Kang Dynasty first and then Secret Wars. Okay. Let me see. Let me fact check that. But fact check. We need a fact checker. Avengers five is the Kang Dynasty. Okay. And then Secret Wars. Mm, okay. Well, I yeah. mean, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, Jonathan Majors kills it, man. I mean, He's I think God. He, he really He's he really does a good job playing Kang. Oh man, yeah. His suit's badass. Holy shit. Yeah, the special but, effects on his stuff is really awesome too. But I don't think we're going to see that suit again. Due oh to no, the, probably not. Due to the fact that, I mean, that sucks though, because that's the comic book one that everybody knows. Uh, you know, they got to make their own spin on it, so. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's... That's that's kind of our review of this movie. I mean, it's it's not fantastic, but I but we enjoyed ourselves. I, I mean, yeah, our I was theater laughing. was laughing and mm-hmm. having a good time. And there are two post credit scenes. Oh yeah. Um, the first of which is very intriguing, uh, and the second of which is it, it sets something up. Oh yeah. I wouldn't say either of them are mind boggling like I heard they were, but. I'd say they're interesting, and I'm excited to see what the second one does for sure. The second one was good. It's been a while. The first since one was one just of kind of like a, a hint at like, what's what coming. The yeah. Just did you speaking of the laughing theater? Did you hear that guy behind us? He was like he was he was laughing as that he, he was going like he, he wouldn't stop, and then I could hear him like try not to like he he knew he was laughing too hard and like because everybody else had already stopped laughing. He's like <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. Well, uh, he was a, no, but he was like because he was trying to like. You know when you're laughing, like remember being in school when you were laughing your ass off and you knew you had to stop laughing, but you couldn't because but and everybody else had stopped laughing, and then you were trying yeah. to stop. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. he was doing. Like almost every time there was something funny, I could just hear it. He was making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's that's our thoughts on Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Quantum Mania. Yeah. It was good Quantum to be. It's good to be back. I remember what it's like now because 
was something that always happened to me when I, we were recording was I'd always get hungry. And like, I'm sitting over here. I'm, I see my Reese's like Valentine day, day eggs and I want to eat them. I almost bought sour Skittles at the movie. They had them sitting right there at the concession stand. I was like, son of a bitch. I it's love good. Skittles, bro. I know. It's a good thing I even got to the movie, eh? <laughs> Tanner pulled a good old one two went to the wrong theater <laughs> yeah I was, I was on the phone with uh with logan and i was like hey just 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 to make sure like i'm amc he's like no ncg i'm like oh well shit i'm at amc <laughs> i got there in 10 well, minutes though cast me for fast and furious yeah absolutely tanner thanks for joining me to talk a little bit about ant-man well thanks for having me Absolutely, guys. <laughs> that is our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. And folks, that is going to do it for this episode. If you have thoughts on this week's topics, you can do any or all of the following. Follow the show on Instagram at Logan's Lowdown, the letterboxed at Logan Lewis 96, serialized at Logan Lewis 96, Twitter at Logan Lowdown and TikTok at Logan's Lowdown. And of course, if you like what you hear, you can send this to a movie and TV-loving friend uh, just as yourself. If you like written content, I write a bi-weekly newsletter entitled Logan's Lowdown where I write about all things me. I give uh, information about my personal life. I give movie reviews, streaming recommendations, what I've been watching lately, comics, best meals, Catherine's Corner rankings, and more. Check it out for free. It's just a fun little writing outlet that I get to do every two weeks. That's the best part, though. It's free. Go to loganlewis.substack.com to read and subscribe, and that newsletter drops every other Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with an audio companion that will drop on this very podcast feed also Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you like the content that I put out and you want more, there's always more. I do another weekly podcast with my two very good friends, Jordan and Matthew, that's called Guys on Tap. We discuss anything and everything while having a cold drink, and it's a ton of fun. We have lots of laughs. That show is available anywhere you listen to this podcast, any platform that is, Spotify, Apple, wherever. We also have full-length YouTube video episodes on YouTube that you can check out, and the handles to follow those on both Instagram and TikTok are also at Guys on Tap. Thank you all very much for everything, and uh, hope you enjoyed this super big episode uh, of all things Marvel and you and how to train your dragon. So thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.